Welcome everyone to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Because you won't find us on Google or Facebook, we respect your privacy and will continue to fight the Silicon Valley censorship. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And we are delighted to have today a true hero, a patriot, who is uh, Richard Mack, who is a constitu- constitutional sheriff and was is a former sheriff, but is engaged in the process of educating existing sheriffs to get up to speed so that you and your civil liberties can be protected. And prior to the pandemic, I was essentially clueless as to the importance of your local sheriff. I had no idea how crucial they were. They're, they, in my view, are the, probably the single most important elected official you could ever hope to vote for. So one of my goals for this interview with, with Richard is to have you fully and deeply appreciate that and take some action to make sure that your sheriff is abiding by the Constitution to protect your civil liberties. So welcome and thank you for joining us today, Richard. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, that was exactly correct. Uh, uh, So if you can learn that, everybody else can. (laughs) Yeah. So I had no idea what what a massive challenge this was. And it turns out that, uh, you know, our founders uh, had some pretty great ideas with respect to preserving their liberties. And they obviously enacted the three branches of government and they separated the federal from the state government. But ultimately it comes down in, in pragmatic circumstances to the local sheriff from implementing these rules. So if you don't have a good sheriff, you're going to be potentially at the mercy of a tyrant uh, for uh, some uh, a government official, could be the governor, could be your local mayor, who knows. But either way, typically, if they want to enforce these rules, the, the sheriff has to, uh, has to, has to, is in the process of doing this. So why don't you explain that process a little more and then give us a little backstory, how you got into this. And I mean, you've done some unbelievable things in your life. You actually were one of the few individuals who actually sued and won and beat the federal government and in, in, in the Clinton administration and the Brady Bill. So we've got a lot to talk about, and I'm just here. <laughs> so let's, let's go with Go for it. Yes. Uh, I mean, literally, we could spend a, a day on this and not cover it. Uh, but again, thanks for having me. This is a crucial time in American history, and we actually have a peaceful and effective solution to it. And the only thing that needs to happen is uh, your local officials, especially your sheriff, keep his oath of office. That's the only thing he has to do in order to effectuate uh, the philosophy you just mentioned. And that is that the sheriff is here to protect your civil liberties, your God-given rights. And, and uh, as the founding fathers put in the Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature or nature's God. Either way, you don't have to believe in God to, to appreciate this or to be a part of it. You don't. Because th- these are the rights you were born with. And as you mentioned, 
Um, this is all born out of a lawsuit that I started back when I was sheriff in a small farming community in Southeast Arizona, Graham County. It's Safford, Arizona. That's where I grew up. I went to grade school, um, junior high, high school, junior college, all of it right there in Safford, Arizona. And my father was an FBI agent there for about 25 years. And uh, then I ran for county sheriff uh, and it was a very unlikely election, but I won. I was reelected in 1992, and a thing called the Brady Bill was uh, promulgated by Congress, signed by President Clinton in November of 1993, <clears throat> and then in January of 1994, January 21st, 1994, three agents of the BATF, that's the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, showed up at a sheriff's association meeting that we had in Phoenix. There's only 15 counties in Arizona. They're large counties, geographically, very large. And uh, 13 sheriffs were in attendance and three agents handed us a document detailing what we had to do in order to comply with the Brady Bill and enforce the provisions of the Brady Bill. And uh, you never, I tell you, when those agents left, you never heard so much cussing in your life. And it wasn't coming from me. Um, nobody liked this, not the Democrat sheriffs or Republican sheriffs. Nobody liked this law. It was so, they, you know, the other sheriffs, uh, Sheriff Buchanan said, what arrogance from the federal government thinking that they can, and this is the first time in American history, people need to understand this. This is the first time in American history where they made a law conscripting and commandeering the office of sheriff to enforce federal law. And not only that, it came with a threat of arrest. People think I make this stuff up. You can look it up yourself. Uh, Cornell University did the best review of the case that I ever saw. Uh, so if you want to look up Mac VUS or Prince, uh, Sheriff Prince from Montana was the other sheriff that went with me to the Supreme Court. Uh, so if you look up the case, Prince, P-R-I-N-T-Z, Prince, Mac, V-U-S. You'll see this case. It's the most amazing 10th Amendment decision in the history of our country. It is so powerful. Justice Scalia wrote the decision, and it went 10 times further than I ever dreamed. In fact, I never dreamed of even going to the Supreme Court. I thought it would all be uh, quashed and, and uh, forgotten at the district level, but we went through the district court, Six other sheriffs joined me in this lawsuit. All of them wanted the district court except the one in Texas. I don't know how you lose a 10th Amendment, Second Amendment case in, in, uh, in Texas. But people need to understand, we sued on the 10th Amendment. And we, to protect the Second Amendment, yes. But to protect state sovereignty and to protect the issue of this, this is the one thing that really got to me the most. I understand we're always going to have people believing in gun control. Uh, I do not because it's against the Constitution. However, and I'm not a, gun, a big gun guy. I never even owned a gun until I was elected sheriff. Uh, and, that's a, and that's the truth. I don't hunt. Uh, I'll eat the meat if you bring it to me. I'll, you know, I love venison and, and elk. But the thing of it is, I'm not a gun guy, but I'm a freedom guy. And that's all this was about. And I said that the federal government cannot tell any sheriff what to do. Not me, not the sheriff in Bangor, Maine, or any sheriff across this country. They have no authority. They have no jurisdiction. 
to tell us what to do. And that is where we won. And it pushed the federal government back, but nobody uh, knows about this decision. It's very uh, hidden. Uh, nobody enforces it. And I'm trying to wake the country up to enforce, one, the Constitution, two, this decision that just reinforced the Constitution and the principle of federalism. Can you speculate as to how the country might look today if, in fact, you hadn't filed that lawsuit or you had failed to win the case? What, what would it look like? Well, we wouldn't have any sheriff standing. And as you've seen across the country, ever since the coronavirus hit and these ridiculous orders from mayors and governors, we've had hundreds of sheriffs stand against it, even in California, even some in New York. And uh, one of our best uh, constitutional sheriffs is uh, Mike Carpinelli out of Lewis County, New York. And he's actually announced that he's going to run against Cuomo uh, in, a, in next year or the year after. But anyway, he's running for governor in New York. Uh, really a solid constitutional conservative, somebody who actually believes in freedom, uh, who wants to put aside uh, the, the socialist communist takeover of our states and our country and who really believes in individual liberty. Uh, and, and I'm gonna tell everybody right now, communism and socialism are the antithesis of individual liberty. They do not allow for property rights. They do not allow for uh, personal freedom. Uh, it's all about the state uh, mandating and controlling everything, including your own property. You don't have property under those systems. So what I wanted to get back to though is the Supreme Court case said this, and, and Scalia, like I said, went a lot further than I ever thought he would. He said this, but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions. You would think that that quote right there would be enough to, to get everybody so excited about this case that they would go to our website and buy all the reviews of the case I wrote. Uh, I had this little pocket-sized uh, uh review, Reader's Digest version of the case, all the highlights, all the best parts of the case, I put in this little 15-page pocket uh, review, and it's called The Victory for State Sovereignty. And you can get that at cspoa.org. Uh, and you get five of them for like 10 bucks. They're real easy to get, and you should be passing them out to everyone so that they wake up to this, because Scalia even went further than this, and he even talked about the crisis of the day, how the Constitution protects us from the crisis of the day. It, it prevents the temptation, he said, the temptation to concentrate power in one location as an expedient solution to the crisis of the day, end quote. And so if you have all that, you put that together and say, well, how do we protect ourselves from the crisis of the day? Because that's all this coronavirus is. Because we've never done this in American history not under the swine flu, the bird flu, or how many Americans die from uh, obesity and heart failure and heart disease uh, and, and from the effects of smoking? What is that, about a million a year? We don't even make cigarette smoking against the law. We don't even make, why don't we make obesity against the law? For heaven's sakes, it would be so easy to put a, a little computer chip in everybody or just have everybody keep their federal obesity card. And when you go to a Dairy Queen, they run it and they go, 
oh whoops you can't have a, a blizzard today you had one last week you're not you can't and you go to a grocery store and say oh whoops you can't buy ice cream today sorry oh you can't buy that chocolate today i mean aren't they going to take care of us isn't this the same philosophy of mayor bloomberg when he said you couldn't buy it? we're going to make big gulps and large soda pop containers illegal and isn't this the same thing of them trying to protect us and make sure that we're all safe so that we stay locked down in our homes and that we social distance and that we um, wear masks in public. See, there's no, there's no freedom of choice in any of that. Do I not have the right to wear a, a seatbelt if I want to and not be forced by our government and our, our peace officers? This, see, my message is to all peace officers because we've already seen this happening, Dr. Mercola. We've actually seen this where sheriffs and peace officers across the country are saying, I will not force people to do that. It might be a good idea to wear a mask. I don't know. But I do know that it has to be up to the individual because liberty is based on the choices that the individual makes, not the government makes them for us. And even now we have some cities in America that have, like Inglewood, Colorado, has an, an instituted, promulgated, a rule that if you're not wearing a mask, it's a $2,600 fine and a year in jail. And at the same time, we're releasing tens of thousands of convicted hardcore felons. So I guess that we can make room in our prisons for the non-mask wearers. Yeah, it even is worse than that because the, the most egregious escalation of that effort would be an example of a security guard who was arrested yesterday for murder, for murdering a, a 60-year-old guy in a grocery store because he refused to wear his mask, shot him in the back, killed him. Yeah, uh, and, and see, that's a, a couple of times I, I'll wear a mask in the grocery store because you, see, you, you get these looks if you're not wearing them, like the, this mob is going to attack you and, uh, you know, I, and when I do that, I still never put it over my nose, even in airports where they're really watching you or on an airplane. I've been on an airplane numerous times during this. Uh, I still never put it over my nose. I only have so far, I've only had one person actually take my mask and move it up over my nose. And that was uh, a lady giving me a haircut. And <laughs> she actually, she no, actually a, did that. Too. There's another interesting example. I saw a video of an individual who was wearing a mask, but it, it was essentially, I don't know, it wasn't designed for infectious disease prevention, but it had massive holes. And it was like a net, clearly. Yeah. I mean, you could stick your little finger through the holes. And he says, <laughs> he's worn it everywhere, and no one has told him that he's, that wasn't a, an effective mask. So yeah. it, was just, it was almost like it was a submission to the tyrannical uh assertions by the local or or net federal governments uh, of these these rules that they want you to comply they don't well, they, they're not really interested in if it's effective or not and let me ask your audience a question this is the question i've asked on every program i do we have uh sheriff nichols out in uh, franklin county maine who told his governor we will not make our county a police state we will not conduct ourselves like nazi soldiers we will follow the Constitution. And so he was actually refusing, and this was before uh, some of the mask laws, or not laws, 
uh, orders. I, yeah, orders. Dictatorial the, orders, Hitleric orders, social engineering orders. Uh, let's see how many we can make uh, wear their mask and crawl around on the floor. Uh, that's, it, it almost uh, seems like that's coming next. But they do know that if they scare us sufficiently, that we will do anything they say, and they're loving that. Uh, but th the question is, do you want the sheriff in Florida who arrested uh, Reverend uh, Howard Brown? Or do you want the sheriff in Maine who said, we won't conduct ourselves like that? We will still respect the rights of the people to make their own choices, even if it's uncomfortable for other people. Isn't that what liberty is? Isn't it, doesn't it make us, gosh, I wish people would just agree with me. Let's make a law that we all have to agree on this. You would think we've already made a law that freedom of religion would be the one principle that we would all agree on, yet we're arresting people in this country for literally just for going to church. Some in a parking lot where they stayed in their cars and they still got cited in. And a minister literally being arrested, handcuffed, taken to jail, and he posted $500 bail and left. This is so absurd. And so I'm asking, which sheriff do you want in your county? The one who will protect your liberty, still educate you as to how we should be careful, and then respecting your right to choose for yourself. Which sheriff do you want? And I also submit that he actually protects you from other government trying to arrest you, or he protects you from that security guard, and security guards, you know, they're not actually very well trained in this, but sometimes cops aren't either, and that we need to understand de-escalation, and that we don't shoot somebody over a mask issue, which isn't even a law. Uh, so, you know, the, the insanity just seems to get worse and worse every day. And, and I'm saying, let's, let's go back to American ideals. Let's go back to the Constitution. And we literally train sheriffs and peace officers across this country to, to follow the Constitution. And to do that, you have to know and understand the Constitution, especially the Bill of Rights. Yes, indeed. So in response to answering that question, I believe that the vast majority, if not unanimous agreement would be we'd want the sheriff who's going to protect our, our civil liberties and, and personal freedoms. And how about if so, they do, uh, how about if they do uh, force vaccinations next? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's right down the road. That's the next step. And I think in my view, and doesn't necessarily mean it's correct, but in my view, I think that this, the, uh, guidelines or recommendations or orders to wear these masks is a preliminary uh, step in that direction. Yeah, so please so give the, me the, the shot. The question becomes, how do we get that sheriff in our county? So I think it's a two-step process. One, and, I, and I'd like you to elaborate on each one because that's really the primary purpose of this, this uh, dialogue is to help people understand how they can identify if the sheriff on the ballot in November that they are voting for, because it will, could be, because not all, it doesn't happen every November. I don't know, is the office is two or four years. But how they can identify if that 
sheriff is aligned and oriented towards protecting their constitutional freedoms. And then we can go to the next step if and how they get the existing sheriff educated. Well, that's, that is the $10,000 question. And uh, we, the people, need to be involved in that process. Remember, uh, Jefferson said the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And that's one place where we have failed in this country. We, the people, have trusted government to take care of liberty. <laughs> Big mistake. We were told to never do that. Never try. I don't care if it's your brother that's in office. Never trust anybody in government, including me. Check on me. Always be checking and seeing what I am doing. And your public officials should be making that very transparent. This is what I believe. This is what I'm doing. This is what I did the past month. This is what we do in the sheriff's office. But every one of you, first, you need to join the CSPOA, Constitutional Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association. It is an organization that is there to create a partnership between the people and the sheriff and local law enforcement. Well, we want it with chiefs. That's why we said it's not just the Constitutional Sheriff's Association, it's the Constitutional and Peace Officers, Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association, because we want all of them to do this. And we even had Greg Anderson come out and do his video that went viral while he was in his police cruiser at, saying how we're supposed to be following our oath of office and the Constitution. We're not supposed to be locking people up for having church. And so uh, roadblocks and administrative checkpoints and checking people without probable cause and stopping people without probable cause, those are all problems that we've done in this country with law enforcement. And CSPOA is the wake-up call. But when you go talk to your sheriff, you've got to vet those candidates that you were just talking about. Every one of you. I can't call 3,100 sheriffs. There's 3,100 sheriffs in America, just under that. I can't do that. People call and say, hey, can you call my sheriff for me? I'll tell you what, I will right after you go talk to him or call him. Some don't want to be meeting with people during the coronavirus thing, but, you know, if they require a mask, wear a mask. I, I, whatever it is that you can reach your sheriff, you know, but hopefully he'll let you take it off after you get there and say, I don't believe in doing this. And, and explain why. You've got to be tactful. You've got to be diplomatic. Uh, you know, it used to be we said, go take them a plate of cookies. But now with this coronavirus thing, a lot of the cookies they think are, you know, might be tainted because you made them at your home. But this, be friendly, be tactful. But you need to ask every sheriff candidate running right now if he is a constant, will be a constitutional sheriff. And we're not going to get all the sheriffs, okay? You're not going to get the Seattle sheriff. You're not going to get the Portland sheriff. You're not going to get uh, Los Angeles or Chicago or New York City. But we have a lot of them that are, that are surrounding those areas in more rural counties. Absolutely. So, so, so one, let me stop you there. What do you, what, I, I don't disagree with you, but I'm wondering if there is a identifying characteristic of the communities or the counties that uh, essentially are off limits because they're so captured by the system that they it's just not going to work and you're just wasting your time and the best solution is to move how how would you identify that group other than yeah you should be able to find that out with one quick phone call or you can look at also the history of it i mean you're not going to get miami-dade you know dade county where miami is in florida so large urban democratic centers usually the 
yeah, the the large cities, you know, go on to something else. But you still should make the phone call. They need to hear from you, and they did, need to know that you're concerned about this issue. But first and foremost, it's great that you go to them and say, Sheriff, I'm a member of the CSPOA. I'm on the Constitutional Sheriff's uh, Posse. And j join today, become a member, help us with this financially, and that's what that does. And, and for heaven's sakes, everybody needs to be a member of this organization. It's the only one out there doing this. And believe me, well, uh, this peaceful and, and effective solution is working. Let me stop you there because that sounds very self-serving that I have you on here just to be a pitch man for, to improve your organizational funding. But it, 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 the uh, appearance of self-serving really disappears if you, have a, if you understand what your legacy is and what you've been doing and have done and continue to do to educate the sheriff. So why don't you... Uh, help us understand why uh, supporting an organization like yours is is probably one of the most highly leveraged investments you can make in <laughs> securing your personal liberties. Yeah, thank you for that. It, we've never really been funded. The only way we go from month to month are the people who who join. And what what we're doing is we take these funds and we use it to train sheriffs. And so the educational process that you're a part of. And that, that you're literally, this whole organization only works if the people get involved. Because even when we've had our national conventions, and we've had six of them, uh, our, our first one, we had 11 sheriffs show up from Colorado. Do you know what those 11 sheriffs said? We came because our people contacted us and told us they were paying for us to, to attend. And literally, that's how that convention happened, is people across this country donated uh it, it, that's how it's always worked and and if people want to be a part of this process if they want the solution be a become a part of it uh, but this the success of this organization is based on your involvement in it how much time you spend how, how much time you spend on this how much money you put into this it, we don't even have paid employees we don't we pay for all the mail outs. And when you order the books, we pay for the printing on that. We pay for the postage. We want you to have these books. They're tools for liberty. We want you to be able to take a copy of the Supreme Court decision to your sheriff candidate, to your sheriff form. And you've got to get going on that because some of these primaries have already happened. So you might only have two candidates left, a, a Democrat and Republican, and you need to find out which one. I don't care which party find out which one will be a constitutional sheriff. And I get calls from these candidates all the time. In fact, yesterday I got another one from Florida saying, will you endorse me? CSPOA does not endorse, but I do. And you need to go and say, Sheriff, <clears throat> have you heard of the Constitutional Sheriff's Association? Most of them will say, oh yeah, I've heard about that crazy Matt guy, you know. <laughs> uh, most of them have already heard about us. Whether they have or not, you need to ask them, will you be a constitutional sheriff? Will you protect me from being victimized by other government? Will you protect me if I don't wear a mask in public? Will you protect me if they come and knock on my door and want to come in my home with or without a warrant? I don't care. Will you protect me and my choice to take uh, a vaccination or not? 
And that's, and you know when they need to do that? They need to let the health department know and other agencies in the federal government and state government that you will not allow that. And, and these sheriffs need to create their own posses also, and we train in that. But we train sheriffs to do all this. And we go as far as your donations and your membership fees take us. That's just a simple fact of it. And why don't you highlight and help us understand the reason why it's so important, because the traditional training that sheriffs receive is fairly inadequate, especially with respect to the understanding and appreciation of their, their oath, which is to protect the constitutional. The constitution. well, I'm glad you said that part because that's where it that's all starts. The key. Help them, help them understand that and implement it and not get distracted by these other beliefs or ideas that they have to enforce something that is not within their scope of duty. Correct. You see, and you've caught on to all of this and, and, and like you alluded to in relatively a short time and the rest of the American people can do likewise. And look, we're not gonna get every sheriff. We already mentioned that. We really hope to get about a third of the nation's sheriffs. That's a thousand. If we get just a third of the sheriffs to do this, we take back American liberty tomorrow. We don't have to wait for another uh, piece of legislation. We don't have to wait for another election. We can do it now, today. And so folks, this is where you come in. The sheriff's position is extremely vital to all of this because he is elected by you. You're the only boss. Now get this. <clears throat> you're, you're the sheriff's only supervisor. He does not report to anyone else except you, the voters. And he needs to hear from you. If he never hears from you, he's going to do whatever he wants. And so we train that if you take an oath to the Constitution, which is required by Article 6 of the United States Constitution, the Founding Fathers put it in there, look at Article 6 in your pocket Constitution. It requires everyone, including state officials, to swear an oath of allegiance to the U.S. Constitution. That's great. I love it. We all should. Because what happens then? Liberty is protected at every level of government, in all three branches, and at local and state and federal level. All agents are supposed to be enforcing the principles in the Constitution. That is where this is. So how could you take an oath and then not study and know and understand what that means? If you take an oath to the Constitution, that presupposes that you know the Constitution. And that's where, our, as you alluded to, the training in law enforcement has failed miserably. We've never trained in the police academies. We do the training, but police academies and ongoing certification training in all agencies in this country do not train at all what your oath means, how you keep your oath, and what our role is in America as peace officers and sheriffs, what our role truly is in protecting liberty. And the place we start with that is the Declaration of Independence, because first, most of us and law enforcement are the same. Most of us don't even know what form of government we have in America. How could we be part of protecting the liberties of America when we don't even know what form of government America has? And so we train all that. We get rid of all the brainwashing, like we're a democracy. <laughs> That's one. That's a brainwashing. That's a lie. 
okay? And so then we get back. If you take an oath, how is it that you will keep it? And then we go into the Bill of Rights from there. And I'm telling you, if, if our peace officers in this country understand that, quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, end quote. Right from the Declaration of Independence, we find what the proper role of government is, and that is to secure God-given rights, natural rights, our innate rights, that that is the job of every peace officer in this country. When you get a sheriff and a peace officer to understand that that is their role, that that is their job, the paradigm shifts from kicking in doors and hitting people with a nightstick and macing people and forcing people into behavior and putting people in jail because they're not wearing a mask. It shifts from that to I'm the protector of the people. I am the defender of liberty. I am a guard of the Constitution. You see, that paradigm will make a huge shift and the beneficiary of that will be the American people. I agree. Thank you for expanding on that. And why don't you contextualize it to the current uh, challenges that we have with the pandemic and all the uh, government mandates that came out as a result of that, resulting in so many uh, challenges to <laughs> living a normal life? Uh, you know, part of that is the way the, p- the police are responding. And I know you're a, you're a pretty big guy. You're six three. 220 pounds. And interestingly, in your entire career, you never had to use force. Certainly, you never shot someone, but you never physically assaulted anyone either. So and so talk about de-escalation and how that all ties into the, the, the interventions that can be uh, done to educate the, the, the peace officers and the sheriffs as to how they can improve the circumstances and respond more, more favorably. Well, it sounds like you've done a real good background on me uh, because you're right. I have, I have never slugged another human being. I've never been, I, I was a patrol officer. Uh, I was in law enforcement for 20 years. I've never, I've never taken my fist and hit another human being during that time. Not once. I never maced anybody. I never hit anybody with my nightstick. And I was always the top in uh, arrest. I, you know, I was, I wasn't hiding, uh, and um, I, I learned a lot from all of this, but my view really changed after I served as an undercover narcotics officer. Uh, but, but none of this de-escalation thing, I will tell you, the best tool for any situation in de-escalation is the Constitution of the United States of America. If I know and understand the Constitution and my role in defending it, I believe that the problems with police brutality are going to disappear in this country, at, at least uh, diminish extremely. And it is because our entire thought process has shifted to uh, one with a, and, and my vice president is a retired cop, and he says, he's, he's actually writing a book with me, and it's called, uh, It's a Shield not a sword. And the badge we wear is a shield. It is a protection. It is a defense. It is not something to hit somebody with. And so, and I admit that DUIs, 
and uh, uh, theft arrests and kicking in doors and and going after the drug problem. And we've failed miserably there. Our, our approach to the drug issue will change immensely too. And we completely know and understand the constitution. And that's been a, a, a big, huge failed uh, public policy. Uh, and we keep doing the same thing over and over and we keep expecting something else to happen. But no, it's a freedom issue. All of this is. And so once we understand the principles of freedom, that we, as peace officers, swore an oath to uphold and defend, our job is going to change immensely. And yes, if, if I can still enforce the law and not beat people into compliance, which I did for 20 years, then every peace officer can do the same. And isn't it amazing, the coincidence there, that I studied and became a convert to the oath of office in the Constitution back when I was a rookie cop in 1983. And I really started studying the, the basics of uh, the fundamentals and the fundamentals of our, of our Constitution and the, the existence of our government. And when I found out what it, all that was for, it changed how I viewed my job in law enforcement. And, and it really took me from a by-the-numbers jerk to a by-for-and-of-the-people peace officer and defender. And, and so it, this would have never happened to George Floyd, and this would have never happened to numerous others. And if we had officers there that truly were converted to why we have peace officers in the first place, and when we understand that my job is to protect liberty, not kick in doors, and some of that's going to, you know, arresting drug drivers, yes, absolutely, we should. But why and, and how we do that and how we effectuate all of those arrests and our, and our ultimate goal and my purpose in being here as a peace officer, it will change America. So you had mentioned there's only 3,000 sheriffs, uh, but my assumption is, and you really focus on the sheriff because they're the leader in their department, but Correct. once you've converted a sheriff and he, he's committed to these principles, is the typical scenario is that they will train their entire department. So, because obviously the sheriff typically isn't going out on these, these calls. I mean, it's, it's their, it's their deputies. They have to to, uh, implement these actions. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. That's what happens. And we, we do that. And I've already had sheriffs do that. And we've had sheriffs lining this training up. Uh, and we've had it postponed now, uh, three or four different times. Uh, because of the coronavirus and we couldn't travel and they couldn't get there and they shut down this city and they shut down this state uh, because why, of the- Why aren't you doing virtual events? I mean, that's what a lot of companies are shifting to. Yeah, they, and, and they, we're actually it's starting- not as good, but- We're, it, we're actually starting that. Yeah. And I will tell you, uh, that's also problematic. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to look at these people to make sure they're there, that they're paying attention, that they're feeling. And, you know, it's like, it's like looking somebody in the eye when you tell them something or somebody's over here uh, texting and doing other stuff when they're actually supposed to be in class. I really hope that we can still do the one-on-one, but I'm working with a, a, a national organization now um, that's in the health freedom. Uh, it, that's our main goal is health freedom uh, and food freedom. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we have to consider that and we're doing it right now. Uh, I just got back from California a couple of weeks ago where I did an event, but 
there was no local officials there. It was just uh, Tea Party groups and, and health freedom people. And it was a fantastic meeting. Uh, and and it, it's people are starting to understand, just like you have, that we've got to do this. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't see any other solutions out there that are peaceful and effective. I don't see any. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sure there's one or two others. I mean, I still support gun owners of America and their approach to this with no compromise for our liberty. But the thing of it is, as far as getting sheriffs and peace officers in this country to go from um, the master to the servant uh, is a huge process. And that's what we're doing. And I'll do it online. I'll do it on podcasts. I'll do it webinars. I'll do it in person. Uh, but really, in person has much more effect. And this is where all of you come in. Uh, I plan to put this out on video and you need to uh, purchase this and take it to your public officials and make sure they watch it. Because, you know, I don't know if this continues. I don't know of any other way. Uh, And right now we have an event on September 30th that's supposed to be in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia at um, Liberty University. Mm-hmm. And where we're going to be training most of the sheriffs in, in all of Virginia and the sheriff's association there has uh, helped sponsor this. So we haven't, we're having all these wonderful successes and we're not sure how we can carry on with it because of uh, the problems with this, uh, ridic- these ridiculous mandates. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about how dangerous or how valid the coronavirus is in and of itself, but I will say we never shut down the country for diabetes or for coronary heart disease or for uh, cancers and all the other problems associated with people's eating is, habits. We've never done this before. Yeah, but, even infectious diseases like tuberculosis too. Yeah, yeah. You could make so, it, it, why don't we make alcohol against the law? Why don't we make cigarette smoking against the law? Why don't we shut people down and not allow them to sell cigarettes anymore? Uh, that kills hundreds of thousands of people every year. Why don't we shut uh, the car industry down? We kill 35,000 people every year. If, we, if it saves one life, wouldn't it be worth shutting down uh, all the cars? Uh, that's the ridiculous thing that the left says. If, if it just saves one life, then of course, we'll shut down everything. We'll all stay home and we'll ruin the economy and we'll wait for what? mass starvation because if you shut everything down that's going to be the case and we saw a little bit of it and we saw a glimpse of it we learned nothing from that we said oh well we might have to shut down again you can't shut down our economy and expect people to still be able to make a living and to be able to eat and put food on the table so well that's why it's so important to uh, leverage what the existing infrastructure that we have that that uh, provides us this opportunity to deploy it in, in our favor uh, with respect to the concern that almost everyone watching this has and that's the fear of mandatory immunizations against coronavirus and uh, if not mandatory pretty close to it essentially what they've done now with most childhood immunizations it's i don't believe there's any place where it's mandatory, but the, it's essentially equivalent of you cannot go to any school unless you have right. these. So they're going to limit your participation in the society unless you agree to get your get immunized. And that would be <laughs> you, you lose the ability to travel, you lose right. the ability to uh, go into a convention or any large gathering. 
unless you can prove should provide proof of immunity. But so it's it's taking advantage of and supporting this. Now you had mentioned uh, in response to an earlier question, you had ident- listed how we can identify if a candidate that's running for office as a sheriff is aligned towards con- the con- protecting the constitution. What the other part of the question was say it's post-election or the, the, our sheriff isn't being running for office that year. How do we, uh, what's the process of identifying if that sheriff is aligned with this? And if he's not, what, maybe I think you kind of address it a bit earlier, but it, it just re- repeat that as the process is how we can get him on board to at least consider this as an option to the department. Yeah, and it's easy to obtain his email address, and it's easy to obtain his phone number, and it might be that his uh, executive assistant or secretary will try to screen those calls, but you need dozens of people to make those calls. If If the sheriff gets 10 calls asking him or her, there's about 15 to 20 female sheriffs in America, and uh, Sheriff Sharon Worley in Nye County, Nevada, is a life member of the CSPOA. Uh, the, the sheriffs know and understand when they come to our training that it will change America, and she's one of them. Uh, and, but there's many more. Uh, on the front cover of my book, um, Are You a David, is a female sheriff from Edwards County, Texas. She's a constitutional sheriff. Folks, they didn't, ha- they didn't fall into the CSPOA. People like you got them involved, and they asked, are you going to be a constitutional sheriff? And, and if he goes, what's that? Then you know you've got a lot of work to do. I will venture to guess 99% of them have already heard about this. Uh, so ask them. And you want to make those calls frequently, and you want other people in your community, the Tea Party groups, the gun rights groups, the freedom groups, the health freedom groups, the food freedom groups, the immunization freedom groups, whatever it is, I don't care what your issue is, the sheriff needs to hear from you. And, and you need to ask him, will you be a constitutional sheriff? And he goes, well, I'm not quite sure what that means. I've heard about it. It means, will you protect me and my family and our individual liberties? Will you protect us from being victimized by any government? Will you protect me from being forced to take an immunization? Will you protect me if I don't and then still allow me to go from point A to point B. Can I still take my children to school if I refuse that? Well, it's mandatory schools. We have mandatory schools. So sure, there's a way. But you know what? If you have to homeschool, that's the best school in America. Uh, and maybe we're gonna start some other schools that say, hey, this is a charter school or this is a private school and everybody is welcome here. Uh, we're not prejudiced against anyone, including those who do not take immunization. And, and man, you could go through the dangers of vaccinations uh, for the next day and not even touch the surface, scratch the surface of that. So uh, again, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, but I, I can definitely study and see these things. So the whole thing is if a sheriff hears from 10 of his constituents, he'll say hundreds of people are calling, hundreds of people are doing this. They can't ignore you. One, you're his boss. Two, if he wants to stay in office and he doesn't want to take heat and always be hearing from you guys and 
and and you guys request a public forum or the next time he does a public forum you go there and you challenge him there's people up in Provo Utah that were having a big thing in uh, in front of the county commissioners about wearing masks and forced to wear masks <clears throat> at schools and other places and they kind of stormed the place and the county commissioners voted two to one to end the meeting because they were so frustrated with these people. Good for you. Good for those people because they're sick and tired of being treated like sheep. And that's what they came to say. And yeah, they got a little vocal, but it, the, the, the meeting should not have been called, but this was all over the news also. And then the mayor of eager Arizona said, we really hope that people will wear masks and be careful and, and wash their hands and, and stay home if you're sick and, and so on and so forth. But he says, I cannot force you to do that. This is still America. And we will respect the rights of the people to choose for themselves. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I hope you get involved in this process because it will not happen without you. Yeah. And, and it, it's available to almost everyone, except for those who live in these very large urban areas that you mentioned earlier, like Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, Chicago, New York, Miami. It's not going to work. I mean, the, it, it's let, a, me, let me time out that. Yeah, okay. I was totally shocked when I found out that the sheriff of Sacramento actually stood against his governor and said they would not enforce some of these draconian orders from him so even if you live in those areas still call your sheriff because we might get surprised just like sheriff jones did in sacramento and and i was totally shocked i i was taken aback and so yes and the sheriff in riverside california did the same thing sheriff bianco and you know what i doubt if he will ever join the cspoa he might but that's not what we're after. What we're after is the American people joining and making sure that their sheriffs are towing the line and keeping their oath of office. I've been surprised. You people now, go surprise me again and go yeah. talk to your sheriff. You, you might find out it's well, better than you thought. Th those are still relatively small communities compared to Los Angeles. Uh, well, yeah, uh, true. I mean, yeah, so I would think just to be prudent of your time and resources, it's a, it, it, from my perspective, is to view it as a wake-up call that you're living in a community that is not going to, A, not protect you and your right. civil liberties. And uh, if things start to break down, and so the culture, as it started to in these riots and will probably likely exacerbate at some point in the future, uh, then you're going to be at great risk. So it might be a wake-up call to move to community where your civil liberties can be preserved. And now's, now's the time to do it because you know, it's unlikely you're going to change those very big cities. The, the culture is just against you. You're yeah, absolutely. And, and people have asked me, well, what do we do here? And I, I tell them, do what you just said, move. Yeah. Move to a suburban area, you know, go outside. And it might even may mean that you go outside your comfort zone. Well, this is where I've always lived. You're talking about the liberty and protection of your family here and, and just you, if you live alone, if it's just you. But so many of us uh, need to really take this seriously. I'm willing to move anywhere for, for liberty. I've already done it three times. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, and I'm not kidding. We don't have time to explain all of that. But I'm willing to move anywhere. And maybe we all need to be, to, to be considering that. 
because they're strength in numbers and maybe we need to, to form our own uh, county or our, our own constitutional county. Hey, let's move to uh, uh, Sheriff Nichols County in Maine. That's too cold for me, but uh, mm-hmm. I would do it. I'm telling you right now, uh, the governor of uh, uh, Georgia is saying uh, no one should be enforcing th- these uh, mass laws. We did not make a mask law for this state. Why is the Atlanta mayor trying to enforce something that's not even promoted by the state, no executive order and no law? And so he's actually suing the Atlanta mayor for in trying to enforce something that's not law. So that's, man, I would consider moving to Georgia or uh, Governor Nome in South Dakota. Great lady, great governor, and she's, she hasn't shut down anything during this whole process. And Sheriff Mark Lamb in Pinal County, Arizona, said, you know what? He's a Republican. Governor's a Republican. He says, I like the governor, but we are not going to shut down businesses. We'll go check businesses, recommend that they're safe, recommend they do things, but we're not citing anybody in. We're not arresting anybody. We're not shutting anybody down, and we must get back to the Constitution. My friends, that is our message to the entire country, especially public officials. Let's get back to the Constitution. You people need to contact your sheriff. He works for you. He doesn't work for me. My sheriff is uh, Paul Penzone in Maricopa County. We're trying to get rid of him. We've got a couple of candidates that are constitutional sheriffs that are running against him. We hope they get in, one of them at least. And so this is a work uh, in progress. If we're going to defend America and keep us free, then we the people must be involved in the process. We, we the people are the first three words of our entire constitution. Okay, so you mentioned that you'd be willing to move anywhere for freedom. Yep. So I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm just curious. Uh, would that, ex- if things started to deteriorate quite dramatically in this country, would you be willing to move to a different country? Or, do you, or would you fight to the death to preserve? I, I can't imagine that if America is uh, falling apart, that there would be a country of refuge. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, that's what I thought it would be. You know, I, you know, I, I Canada maybe a little bit, uh, but it's still quite a socialist country, and you never know what they're going to do there. And it's too cold. <laughs> but it's too cold, and and it's a relatively peaceful uh, yeah. country. Uh, but gun rights are not respected there, and and I would have a problem with that. I, I just have a problem with being defenseless, and and especially this time of chaos uh, throughout our country and throughout the world. And so, <coughs> yes, um, I, I've thought of moving to a different country. Switzerland has a, a good history of being peaceful, but they also have a very horrible uh, tax rate, and uh, so. I've, I've thought of this before, and uh, top of my list was Switzerland, but boy, is that far away. <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, you know, if I could get all my grandkids and, and my children to move with me, I'd sure make it easier. But I also think that when that time comes, if, it, if it's that far gone, I think moving will be impossible. You need to consider that before the, the crisis uh, escalates and before they make it impossible for any of us to move. Yeah, yeah. So the, a lot of people are considering 
multiple passports and and other options to uh, actually have the opportunity. That's why I say if we move together, we can create we create our own uh, liberty defense and liberty me- mechanism because we become the county supervisors and commissioners yeah. and the county attorney and the sh- county sheriff. They're all constitutional, and we and we run the county according to the constitution. Yeah, it seems to me that's the best strategy and the best option because, you know, who wants to, it's just so impractical to move. It's really a, it's a last ditch option and really a, yeah. the last resort rather, you just would not want to do that if at all possible. But, but hopefully we can create these constitutional counties and take back America county by county, one sheriff at a time. And do we want chiefs of police involved? Of course, of course we do. And the sheriff, after he gets trained, he can get them trained, hopefully, and get everybody in the county, uh, including all the city police departments, get everybody on the same page. We will not enforce these ridiculous, unconstitutional, unlawful mask orders. We'll, we'll reason with people, we'll persuade people, but we will not force people. All right. Well, any other uh, areas you'd like to enlighten us on or expand upon? Boy, uh, it seems like we've covered <laughs> uh, most of the big stuff, but uh, when, it, when it comes to liberty, uh, the Founding Fathers put together the best constitution in world history. It really breaks my heart to watch this communist takeover happening right in front of us and it seems like we can't do anything about it. We can, we can do something about it. And these people that are waving signs, uh, justice in, for, in America, justice for George Floyd, or no justice, no peace, which means they're gonna continue to riot until we have justice. Let me t- tell everybody in America this one solid fact. I was in law enforcement 20 years. I ran my own jail for eight years. We respected the rights of every individual that we dealt with. And let me tell you what's happening with the justice in the George Floyd case. Every wheel that should be turning in the justice system is turning probably more rapidly than any other case I've ever seen. The perpetrators and the suspects in this case have been arrested, have been charged, have lost their jobs, uh, probably careers and pensions. Everything is moving just exactly as it should. What part of justice do you not see happening? To demand justice in this case seems to be counterproductive and like you're not looking at reality. Reality is justice is happening. Let's see how the trial goes. Let's see how the plea bargains uh, go. And then let's protest if we're not in agreement. But for anyone to commit acts of violence and random uh, looting and random crimes, even against the black business owners, why would we hurt other black people who are trying to make a living? Why would we hurt anybody in America Why would we think that justice will happen if we can create more injustice? That makes no sense. And Martin Luther King is somebody I've studied and admired for a long time. Rosa Parks, another one. My dear friends, 
Martin Luther King said, hate will never drive out hate. Only love can do that. So let's try the peaceful process. When the, when the commissioners, when the law enforcement commissioners in Portland ask you to come talk to them, go talk to them. Stop the burning, stop the looting, and start the solution. And Martin Luther King also said that violence multiplies violence. If we, if we want to really create a peaceful community, then let's work and rise up together to do just that. And my friends, let me tell you, we need you a part of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Do what you can. And I, and I ask for you to join. And yes, I'm asking for your financial support. It's the only way we keep going. And many people have joined us. And, and I so thank you, thank you, thank you for that. But I believe that this is a ministry of putting people's freedom back where it belongs. And that's with you. We can do this. I promise we can. We've had so many different uh, success stories throughout this in uh, this coronavirus meltdown of American freedom. Folks, I love America, and it breaks my heart to see what's going on. Let's rise up together and do something about it. And, and Dr. McCullough, thanks so much for having me today. Well, thank you for being such a bright light in this darkness that we've entered in the last few months and, and providing a, a really helpful resource to, so that we can continue to and regain many of our lost personal freedoms. And so it's so key. So thank you for creating the infrastructure. And I would encourage everyone to support your organization and not only support it financially, that's just one part. The, the right. and more important part is really to go out there and, you know, be, do the field work to contact your local sheriff, to, to, to urge him or her and encourage them to participate in this process because it, 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 you can make a difference just like R R Sheriff Richard Mack did. I mean, the one person can make a huge difference. So you can, and if you do it, I think you'll, you, you're going to not only help yourself and your family, but your, your, your neighbors and your relatives, local, local relatives. Thank you. And again, the website, cspoa.org. And thank you for that. Okay.